Welcome to the Life Melbourne podcast. We're so glad you're joining us for another hope-filled message. We pray that you're encouraged by this powerful word from our Sunday service. I love that. I love what God can do in a moment. And, uh, and I really believe as we were singing, uh, I still believe you're moving. I really believe that this morning that there's going to be some things that just was like a prophetic picture to me. Like it's, there's been things that have been on your life for a long time. And I don't know if this relationship will ever change. I don't know if my perspective in that will ever shift. I don't know if I could ever trust again. I'm just believing as God can only do what God can do. I'm like, there's gonna be something he's gonna lift off people and there's gonna be a sense of like, that's not there anymore. You know, that, that hesitation or that sense of just, it just hurts so much. Wow, it's gone. And I can encourage you when that happens and as it happens, don't keep then looking for the pain to come back, right? Don't keep looking to accept that which was. Now live from the place of, okay, it's shifted, it's changed. I'm growing now, I'm going forward. But uh, Fighting for unity. Nadia and I never fight. Let's just put that out there. Never, ever. We have very passionate conversations. <laughs> we have healthy uh, moments of discussion. Uh, but no, we never fight. But it was funny because over winter, um, we love all seasons, but over winter, we always, I'm constantly looking at the snow report. I don't know if anyone's been to the snow yet. And, uh, and I constantly look at the snow report because I love the snow and uh, love going snowboarding. It's actually a, a, one of the things that we love doing together. It's one of our sort of like special things. Um, we were, uh, when we first kind of started dating, actually, we were both in America, snowboarding in, in Colorado. And then uh, we've had some great moments. But the truth of it is, is the first time we went to the mountain together probably wasn't the most unifying moment in our friendship. And um, it's very true, Craig. We were just friends at this stage, and Craig just friends. I was just a friend, Nadia was wanting so much more, so, <laughs> so much more. It was unbelievable. And well, this didn't reflect that moment. Right. Uh, we Craig decided he was going to teach me to snowboard by taking me to the top of the mountain and to work, and I'll work it out on my way down. Makes sense, you've got a long way to work it out, so. And that's how he learned to snowboard, but we got to the top, and I just remember you being like, just work it out, like, just stand up. Like, you'll work it out as you get down. I could not even stand up. Yeah. Like, I, I, I was petrified. Like, the slopes were so steep, and we learned in that moment that we were both very, very different people. Yes. Well, yeah, yeah, very different. The very nice, beautiful, just like, always happy person was no longer there anymore. <laughs> Gone, just gone. Even under the, the, the mask and the goggles and all that, gone. I could see very clearly there was another side to Nadia, uh, but I loved dearly. And then what was funny is that uh, we actually went to America and I became an instructor and got taught how to teach people. And, um, and that, man, they don't actually advise you taking people to the top of the mountain <laughs> to send them down on their own. And, um, and so in America, I actually taught Nadia to snowboard again and, and uh, what took a day to break a friendship, uh, within literally an hour, Nadia was able to literally like get across any part of the mountain and it became something now that's a huge unifier and a, and a great uh, thing that we love to do in a relationship. And it's amazing how sometimes points of tension in relationship can actually be the starting point of unity. It's the starting point of unity. And this isn't what we're talking about today, but you know, if, if we just look at things that are right now divided and think, oh, it's always gonna be that way, then we're actually missing out on the opportunity of the ability to actually see a unity and an advancement uh, that otherwise isn't there. I think about 
even just in relation to nations, right? With Japan, you know, Australia and uh, Japan are actually great allies. Like we stand alongside each other, but it wasn't always like that, right? If you go back a few decades, there was actually war and there was turmoil, but on the other side of confrontation, if work towards a common goal, there now is an ability that we will stand beside each other, we will fight for each other, and it's an amazing point of unity. Isn't that an awesome thing? And so I just want to encourage us sometimes right now, do not look at the area of challenge as a dividing point which will never restore. Maybe just look at the point that this will take us to another level of being able to do life and to actually discuss at a place that actually says, let's reset a vision that could work towards something so much greater. And so, uh, so we want to talk about fighting for unity. And, um, and we've, last week, it was just so great having the panel and having the opportunity to ask a bunch of questions. But we were in Ephesians 4, 2 to 6, and it says, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope, you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. Isn't this awesome? Right, it's very clear. There's one, right? There's just the simplicity, but also the significance of alignment and unity. He is over all, He is through all, and He is in all. And I absolutely love that. And I think if we even just took time to focus on the fact that He is over all. Come on, I love that. And everything that's going on, He is over all. Come on, He is through all. And He is in all. And then it goes on, and we want to sort of come from this perspective today and just sort of expand on Ephesians. It goes on to verse 15 and 16, and it says, Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect a mature body of Him who is the head, that is Christ. From Him, the whole body, uh, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, it grows and it builds itself up in love as each part does its work. I love that. I love that God draws the picture that we are one, 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 but then we are one body made up of many, many different parts. How awesome is that? So he's not actually talking about a uniformity. He's talking about a unity in the direction that we're going. But he's saying, hey, at the same time, there are many different parts, right? But these parts all work together for one goal and one common cause. And I thought this morning we're going to break this down into two simple things with a bunch of other points, but really... Number one, unity comes from us all first standing in agreement that we are here as the body to honour and lift up the name of Jesus. We are here to exalt God. We are here as a church. We are here as individuals, as believers, as born again people to lift up and exalt the name of Jesus. Can I get an amen? Amen. 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 So unity comes the first thing from honouring God. And like that scripture says, we are the mature body of Him who is the head, Mm -hmm. that is Christ. And I love that when we have the foundation that is Jesus in any relationship, it adds such a richness to our relationship. I find my richest relationships I have in life, it's because you have the foundation of Jesus, that we love Jesus, that we're committed to Him, committed to embracing His Word. And it's amazing the foundation that takes 
takes place. Like look at our church, the diversity that is here. Yeah. So many people when they come and visit our church, especially um, visiting pastors, will say, gosh, your church is so diverse. Mm. There is so much diversity here. And I love that about our church. But I also love in the diversity that what keeps us united is our love for Jesus. Absolutely. Is our desire to magnify Jesus come over on. everything else to glorify Him. That's it. And um, I love that when our foundation is strong, the unity is strong. When we make our, when the stronger the foundation is, the greater the unity is that we will have. You look at the redwood trees in California, some of the tallest trees, they grow up to 84 metres high. I've actually got a picture of them behind me here. And they grow together in unity. They grow in these massive big clusters together. And you would think that their root systems are one of the deepest root systems in the world. They, out of all trees, they can um, stand in storms. They can stand yeah. floods. They're, they're known as the strongest of trees. So you would think their root system would go down so deep. But it doesn't actually go that deep. What it does is their roots intertwine with each other. There's an incredible strength that comes because they are intertwined with each other. Mm. They get nutrients from each other and they get strength from each other. And God has called us to live the same way as Christians, that our strength would come from our Beautiful. unity yeah. that is founded on Jesus and His Word. See, I love what Acts 2 verse 42 says about um, the, the church when it just got started. And it was such an incredibly healthy church. It started with 3,000. Then every day, numbers were added to it. Yeah. And it says them this, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of the bread and to prayer. And how amazing is that, that as believers, that's our call to unite around those things, unite around the Word of God, yeah. unite around our passion for Jesus, unite around our devotion to Him. And when we do that, the strength that it brings to us is incredible. So good. That's amazing as well, because I, I love the picture of this is, is doing life together. Yeah. Right, that's what groups are all about, and we always keep on going. If you're not in a group, you've got to get into a group. And everyone's like, Oh, yeah, it's another program. No, 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 it's not another program. This is a place where literally the oneness takes place. This is the place where literally my strength becomes part of your strength, your strength becomes part of my strength. And when we say, Oh, I don't really have time for it, I don't need it, what we don't realize is it's not just about what we're missing out on receiving, it's actually what you're missing out of delivering and being able to let actually from your life, from your heart, from the part that God's put on you to actually flow to somebody else and to be able to cherish and to, to, to really help them. And I, I loved um, this post that uh, one of our great couples in church uh, put out a couple of weeks ago, John and Rima. And John posted it. He's got a whole bunch of guys and they meet every couple of weeks and uh, they get fit together, but they do life together and they got each other's back. And, and then this is, then Rima reposted it with another comment on it. Uh, and I think I've got it up behind you, but I'll read it. It says, me and hubby, have prayed over the last few years for community, but instead we were blessed with family. Seeing my hubby do life with these men who are strong in their faith, who come as they are, speak life into each other and love on each other, honestly makes me so happy. Our men need other strong men to do life with. And I can testify that my husband is happier, stronger, more open, loving, and God-fearing man because of each of these men. Come on, can you thank God for the reality? of what community looks like, of what discipleship looks like, of what doing life together looks like. And it's not for a selected few. No, I mean, I'm believing already we have such an incredible health when it comes to doing life with each other. But really, it's not just about a certain measure of health, but come on, for all of us, there's this desire that in us, and we're actually called to be intertwined with one another. Yeah. 
right, to do life together. And so I really want to pray that, come on, that stirs something inside of you. It's like, okay, well, where's the program I join? No, 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 what's the people around that you can just start to gather together yourself? And then not be a click, right, in the sense that we stay locked, but actually be a moment where anyone else can join in, anyone else can be added. I love that group started with a few in a shed, and now it's hard to fit them all in a picture. Come on, that's the reality of the body of Christ. That's the reality of the church growing together. And it's just awesome. So number two, so we, um, well, I guess in this, we honour God's Word, we honour His will, and we honour His ways, right? So if we're going to honour God, then we honour His Word, we honour His will, and then we honour His ways. And just, you know, breaking down, I guess, the reality of honouring God's Word. You know, it says in 1 John, we know this, John 1, sorry, it says, that, come on, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. I mean, he was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. How good. And listen to this. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Has not overcome it. And now I know, you know, it, it sounds so familiar, but I know that we always, you know, there wouldn't be many Sundays, moments go past that we don't keep pointing back to, hey, it comes back to the Word of God. Come on, it's all what flows out of the Word of God. You know what you, what you need? You need to get the Word of God. You know, when uh, Pastor Kina got up here before and just shared, it, shared about the remaining in me, it's not so, oh, that was so great, Kina. That's, why was it great? Why did it have authority in that moment? Why did it create something in us to again lift our eyes? Because it's the Word of God, yeah. right? It draws and it creates the reality that it is alive. Wow, this is alive. And I've been thinking about it lately and I saw it written, but it, you know that every, like page after page, right? Page after page after page after page, all hundreds of them, all of them, page after page after page are His thoughts. Come on, they're his words. That's his heart towards you and I. Yes. It's his will, it's his ways expressed perfectly and precisely by him. And they're right here for all of us. I was reading this morning in what, 2 Chronicles 1, how Samuel, Solomon, sorry, the first thing he does is when God says, what do you want? He says, I want wisdom. It was like God just tapped me on the shoulder and goes, Craig, you know that all the wisdom that I gave was Solomon? You know, all that wisdom he received and more is in my word. Every single person has access to the same level of wisdom and more through my word. Amen. And the good news now is we have the Holy Spirit working on his behalf, refreshing the word, reminding us of the word, articulating the word, clarifying the word. Come on, this book is not just a book, it's him alive. Come on, it's his words that, front, that confront us, but they also awaken us. Come on, it's these words that shape us. I have to ask us the question, when we read the Word of God, does the Word of God sound more like us or do we start sounding more like Him? Yeah. Come on, when I read the Word of God, do I shape Christ to look like me or is my life being shaped to look, look more like Him? Yeah. Come on, the, the, that's it, the power of His Word. Sometimes in today's reality, there's such this thing of all about you know, being PC and it's all about your truth and whatever your truth is. No, no, let's get back. There's one truth and it's His truth. Yeah. It's the truth. Yeah. Come on, and I have to read the Bible, not going, how do I make it shape what I believe? No, no, how do I shape who I am to believe what His truth says? Yeah. And in that, what does the Bible say? Come on, there's freedom. Yeah. Come on, the truth, you want freedom in your life? The truth sets us free. Yeah. And I love that because He is the way, the truth, and the life. It's just awesome. We always say it, the greatest material possession we can have is His Word. It's the greatest material possession. Why? Because it's not just a possession. It's not just pages. It's a person. Yeah. It's Him. 
you know, and I just had this revelation in the last year. It's like this thought of when I'm holding God's word, it's actually not about me holding his word as much as it is about him holding me. Come on, when I'm in his word, it's holding me, it's shaping me. Come on, we talk about together, we talk about relationships, we talk about doing life. I ask the question, do we go first to what does the word God say? How should I navigate my children? How should I navigate this marriage? What should I do in my business situation as a student, as I navigate those dynamics in the area of study, in the area of in, in church? Come on, do we go to his word? What does your word say? What does your word want? How does that look? Because I tell you, that leads to life. It's so good. So let's hold on to God's word. So good. The next thing is honoring his will. And I just love that God's will for us is to live for others, not for self. Yeah. It is to deny self and live for others. Jesus, when speaking with a Samaritan woman, when he was hangry, he'd sent his disciples to go get food. Yeah. He was hungry. He was tired. And then he speaks to the Samaritan woman. He honors her above himself. He does the will of the Father. And then the disciples come back with food. And he says this to them, John 4 verse 34, my food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish so his work. Yeah. And so I love that when we're living for the will of God, it's amazing how it impacts our relationships because yeah. we're living for others. We're living for something that is far beyond ourselves. And I love that God is looking for that from our lives. Like looking to please Him, it's by faith and it's by living out His will for our lives. So I remember when we moved here to Melbourne and God spoke to us so clearly about moving and it was just before we were about to move and I had this moment where I was up at a, an altar call, a ministry moment. I was just bawling out, bawling, crying, sobbing, saying to God, why would you ask us to leave? Our family, right. the house that we just got, why would you ask that of us? And I remember God saying to me so clearly, Nadia, I'm not interested in your comfort. I'm not interested in what conveniences you. I'm interested in your obedience because in your obedience is where other people find me. And it's, it's so on God's heart. Yes, He loves us, but He wants to use us to reach people, to use us to have lives that are far bigger than ourselves. Yeah. And the amazing thing is when we do that, we actually find life in all its fullness as well. So there is nothing, I can honestly say now, there is nothing like <laughs> living in obedience. There is nothing like knowing that you live in the will of God for your life. So Matthew 16 verse 24 says, Jesus says to His disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves Take up their cross and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. I love that when we lose our life, we end up finding it because we're living how He wants us to live. I mean, how much breakthrough would we find in relationships if we denied self right. and lived for His will instead of our own? How much easier would it be to forgive? How much easier would it be to let go of offense? How much easier would it be to encourage? How much easier it would look if we add to relationships um, based on what we want to give rather than what we're getting out of, out of it. Come on. Based on honouring Him, not honouring ourselves. I mean, how much richer would our relationships be? I mean, I know I often have those moments, say when we're in a tense a moment or having an argument and you just feel that prompt of the Holy Spirit. Like, should you react like that? Is that the best thing to say? And you have to have that moment of, I'm gonna deny self right now and I'm gonna choose what you want instead, God. And yeah. the moment you do that, there is an ease that comes into the relationship yeah. when we choose His will over our will. It's, it's true. It's true. <laughs> it does make a lot more ease when Nadia constantly bites her tongue. Uh, I bite my tongue a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so good. 
But I think as well in that is, is, is realising we have to, like we've talked over the last couple of weeks, is when we don't bite our tongue or when we do respond in a way that we go, you know what, there, that, that, that was a moment, it was more me than it was what I, you know, I know God was asking of me. You, got, you just got to own it, just own it, just apologise. What does the Bible say? Don't let the sun go down. Come on, don't let something remain and hang around for longer than it should. Just own it. Hey, I, I said something I shouldn't have said. Babe, I'm sorry. I, you know, and Nadi has to do this a lot. But, you know, like... <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, like in, in relationships, come on, in, in dynamics, don't let stuff go by. Don't let stuff just go, oh, it's all right. She'll be right. They know what I've got. They know what I really think. They know I love them. No, no, don't, don't take that for granted because little seeds, who knows, words have power, they have authority and those things spoken cause a hesitation in someone's heart the next time there is a point of tension. So please, let's, let's be really committed to that. And I love that if Jesus had to say, not my will, but yours, come on, I think that all of us, most days have to come to a point where we say, okay, God, not my will, but yours, Lord, but yours. Because on the other side of that, it transforms relationship. It transforms relationship. I love that Revelations 4, 10. And 11 says, Lord, you are worthy, O Lord and God, to receive glory and honour and power for you created all things and by your will they were created and have their being. Come on, it's in God's will that we find our real being, right? And that's where we find the ability to actually work within unity, not uniformity, but in unity because we're in his will and we're created as he desired. The third thing was honour his ways, honour his ways. Got to be quick because we've got so much we want to jump into, but... Um, you know, the, the, the truth of it is, is that, you know, if we're going to honour his ways, uh, then we really do have to, you know, as we've talked about, put the filter of what does his word instruct in this area of my life? You know, when it comes to my identity, what does his word say? When it comes to honouring somebody, what does his word say? Like when it comes to the dynamic of, um, you know, any area of our life, what, is, what does His Word say? And then it's not just hearing it in context and going, oh, that's a nice opinion, but actually realizing the Word of God is sovereign, right? And that's literally, it's, it makes a decision for us whether we listen to it, is it going, is Jesus, you know, my Savior? Yes, but is He also my Lord? And if Jesus is your Lord, then it's actually not so much about, well, how does it suit me and fit with me? No, not my will be done, Lord. I'm gonna actually surrender myself and say, you're Lord and you've asked me to do this. It might not be understandable by most. It might not be accepted by culture. And it might not be seen uh, as loving like everybody else wants to promote what love looks like. But Lord, if this is your ways, then God, I acknowledge your ways. And I just really want to encourage us, if you even like say, well, man, reading the Bible's hard and it, you know, I just find I don't got a lot of motivation. I really encourage you, go to Psalm 119. All right, Psalm 119 is actually the longest Psalm uh, in the Bible. All right, so you go, well, how does that work? Because I'm struggling. It's actually made up of 22 bite-sized pieces that really it's, they don't even know if it was um, Nehemiah or Ezra, but what we do know who wrote it, but what we do know, both those men were men who were devoted after God. Both those men lived for them so much more than themselves. Both those men actually through their lives enabled others to access their God purpose. And they lived from a place of obedience. And, um, and I really encourage you, read some of those segments, even divide it out over a month. Read them because basically their heart is this way of them continually going, God, I declare and desire your ways. I declare and desire your decrees. You know, Psalm 119.9 says this, how can a young man keep his ways pure? By living according to your word. Come on, I seek you. You want a pure life? Live according to his word. Come on, you want peace in your mind? Live according to his word. You know, do not let me stray from your commands. I've hidden your word in my heart. Come on, that I may not sin against you. 
Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips, I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following. Come on, I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. How awesome is that? Somebody goes, oh man, I rejoice when I got money. He's saying, no, I rejoice when I've got your word alive in my life. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. I love that. This is a quick thought. We've got to carry on. But listen, compromise isn't compassion. Compromising God's word to make somebody else feel okay actually isn't compassion. It isn't compassion. When God wanted to save the Jews, He found a woman who was aware that even death could happen in her own life, but God's will was more important than for her to compromise God's will. It was more important that she had compassion towards the Jews by offering up her own life in obedience to Christ. Does that make sense? It's amazing. Esther called a fast, right? God's compassion didn't. Um, God's compassion to stop a genocide required someone who would not compromise. It's amazing. Sometimes we think, oh well, if we compromise and we water it down, then they're going to be able to hear it and they're going to receive the grace that God wants them to have. No, it's actually the opposite. God actually wants us to live from a place of conviction towards God's word, so that when He can move freely and powerfully, unrestricted, therefore the compassion and the grace of God moves. Come on, not our level of understanding, not our, hey, this will be nice for them to receive it like that. No, no, God's grace is enough to make a way, but He wants uncompromised, come on, so that He can move. Because when we compromise His ways, we compromise His grace, His freedom, His purpose, His love, His light, His peace, His truth. We compromise His ability to act on our behalf and we compromise so many from discovering Him. Come on, what did he want to do when he wanted to change the heart of a king? He got Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. We're not going to compromise. If you're going to chuck us in the fire, we'll go in the fire. But even in the fire, what was binding them was then released so they could even live freer. And Jesus was revealed in the middle of it. Come on, can I encourage us? Let's in our day and age not compromise God's Word and His ways. Come on, but let's be people who have true compassion. When God wanted to send someone who could save all of humanity, He sent Jesus. And what did Jesus do? He did not compromise. And because He didn't compromise, therefore He became the perfect sacrifice that was able to make a way. And I'm not saying we get everything right. And I'm not saying putting a pressure on acting in a religious way where your works make something happen. I'm not saying that. But if we could live in a way where we don't compromise His Word, come on, we come back to it as the source of life. We come back to it realising this is what every person needs. Not just me, not just for my season and situation. Every person needs connected to this. And this is what's going to bring the hope and freedom and it's going to bring life. Does that make sense? Awesome. So good. Sorry, I ran, I ran, I ran to a quick close on that one. <laughs> you want, yeah, okay, cool. We're gonna, we're gonna leave a whole heap out. Good, all right. Sorry. The next thing is, I'm, I'm the words person in the family. <laughs> got my big quota. You know, got to get it out. So. The next thing we're gonna look at is honouring each other. Yeah. And uh, how we build unity through honouring each other. Going back to the verse in Ephesians four, it says we are called to build each other up in love. And again, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 21, and then 25 to 26 says, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. The head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. So there'll be no division in the body, but that each part shall have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. And I just love that, that we're called to honour each other. We're called to put each other above 
ourselves, called to honour the giftings that are on each other's life, called to honour how God has uniquely made us. There's an so honour that is called that we're called to live out. And what I just want to do very quickly is just focus on one thing that I really feel can rob us of honouring each other, and that is the judgment that we can have over each other. I love Mother Teresa said, if you judge people, you have no time to love them. And I think it's something that we just continually need to watch. We're called to love people, but our judgment of each other puts a wall up, a divide up, and prevents us from loving people like we need to. 2 Samuel 10, verse 1 to 5, it's this powerful passage, and it's uh, King David um, has a a friend that has just passed away, and so his son becomes king. Hanan is his name. And it goes on to say, Uh, In 2 Samuel, verse 10, it says that David sends a group of his men to bring comfort to the new king and to build relationship. But the new king, the princes say to him, do you think because David has sent comforters to you that he's honouring your father? Has not David sent his servants to you to search the city, to spy it out and to overthrow it? So the new king took David's servants, shaved off half their beards, cut off their garments in the middle at their hips and sent them away. So he sent them away in disgrace. Then when David was told, he sent them, he, men were greatly ashamed. And the king said, remain at Jericho until your beards have grown and then return. And then it ends up going into this full-on war and thousands and thousands of men are killed. All because this group of people judged David's motive in the wrong way. And how powerful is that for us? How much can we judge people the wrong way? Because we judge someone's intention, we treat them as suspicious, we place a judgment on them that we have assumed ourselves and it fractures relationships. Mm. What could have been an amazing alliance ended in tragedy. And so often, I've seen this happen in church time and time again. We judge each other. We judge church. We we judge people in church. We put suspicion on people, make assumptions on people. And because of it, it ends up fracturing relationships. So how did they get it all wrong? They judged intention rather than action. Mm. So easily we do that. And like the king did, they created a drama in their own head. Right rather than looking at the action. And how often we can do that as well. We create dramas in our own head about a comment that was made, an action that was done, and we run away with it in our head. And all of a sudden, it's this huge drama. And the next time we see that person, it's really hard to talk to them because we've created this huge drama in our head. I'm not speaking from personal experience at all in this area. But we create this huge drama and all of a sudden one comment, one action is totally taken out of context because we've got in our own head. So we have to choose to believe the best in each other. Choose not to judge. I know I have to do this constantly with our relationship. Craig can say a comment and I have to choose. I'm not going to dwell on that comment. I'm going to believe the best about what he said. Because if I dwell on that comment, I take it and make it something bigger than what it is, then everything he then says, I filter through that comment and it creates this huge tension in our marriage or because I've run away with it in my own head. We've got to be careful that we judge based on someone's action, not in intention. James 4 verse 12 puts it like this. There's only one lawgiver and judge. He who is able to save and to destroy, but who are you to judge your neighbour? We are not called to judge people. We are called to believe the best in each other. And out of that, healthy relationships happen. But we are called to trust well. 
Yeah, you know, it's it's one thing to um, to believe the best in somebody, but then we are we do also need to have good boundaries with people and to trust well as well. So how do we do that? We trust based on fruit. Matthew seven puts it like this: but by their fruit you will recognize Very them. Good. Do people pick grapes? from thorn bushes or figs from thistles. Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot be a bad fruit. A bad tree cannot be a good fruit. Every fruit that tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. So we need to be smart with who we trust based on someone's fruit of their lives. And I, this is a biggie in today's society because we listen to so many opinions out there, so many different podcasts, so many different media presentations, so much information that we have all around us, and we end up taking on opinions of people and we don't even know the fruit of their lives. We need to open up and trust people. And this is the beauty of God's church because we get to see the fruit of someone's life. Right. And then we're like, based on that fruit, I'm going to trust. I'm going to open up my life to so receive good. your wisdom. We trust with clear expectations. You know, we make sure that when we trust someone, we're laying clear expectations. When I say this, there's, this is in confidentiality. I don't expect us this to go further than us. I don't expect this to turn into gossip. And we trust based on putting out clear expectations. And the last one is that we trust based on what we're willing to invest. You know, wherever we place our heart, there our treasure will be. We place our heart in a relationship. Trust comes because of what we invest. So there does need to be a point where we actually come, okay, I am gonna trust. And again, this is the tension of it. When our trust is in Jesus, we can trust people because people will let us down and our ultimate hope is in Him. But there does need to be that. I'm gonna let my walls down and trust this person because I need to invest into the relationship. Very good. It's good? Yeah. Yeah? Brilliant. Everyone at home is like, yeah, 100%. <laughs> Thanks, high five. Uh, so good. The other one, and we, we'll be quick on it. I say that every time. Uh, is, uh, is compete, complete, not compete. Complete, not compete. Um, you know, we talked about it the other week. It's like, you know, it's not um, fight to be right. It's fight to unite. Like it's, it's this dynamic of we're called to complete one another and not compete against each other. Yeah. You know, and it's really realizing if we could get a perspective of actually, okay, so I am wired different. Okay, so I do have a different way I see that, you know, and I do have a different ability to navigate that, and I do have skill set that's actually stronger in that area, and I understand it's not because they're weak, but they're actually stronger in a different area, so then together we actually are strong as one, uh, you know, so it's not a competition, and it's not this pulling down, but like, um, you know, 1 Corinthians 12, 21 says is, you know, the, the whole body, we're an eye, where would the senses hearing being? If the whole body were an air, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every single one of them, every single one of us, every single one of you, every single one watching at home, every single one, He's placed them just as He wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. I love that. Come on, we've got to realise that we're here to complete. Yes. Come on, as a body, we want to be strong and complete. We don't want to be in a place where it's just like we negate other gifts, we negate others' uh, abilities of how God has shaped and moulded them, that we become strong in one area but weak in another. 
we're all strong in thought, but we have no hands and feet to actually go love, serve and give and care, right? Like we, it's all about what's seen, but not about what's unseen. Man, there's a lot of parts in the body that are unseen, but without them, the body will not function, right? It will not happen. And so therefore it's not about, well, I don't get seen. No, no, you're playing your part in the body. Come on, are you doing what God's called you to do? Are you activating what's on your life? Then I wanna tell you, we're all celebrating. Heaven's cheering, God's grateful, He's empowering you, He's saying go for it. But comparison, if we compare because we want what somebody else has, comparison leads to internal, then external competition. And that crushes us and then it starts to kill relationship. We have a thing in our car often, it's generally always in the car, but the kids, you know, we were great kids, 13, 10 and, and four, uh, and it just starts, you know, who knows? It just starts. Why are in the car always in the car, right? It doesn't matter how far you're going in the car, there's something starts, right? And it's this and it's that. No, I think, and we just have this song that comes on uh, in our in our Nadia and I. It's like, it's not a comp, it's not a competition, it's not a comp, right? And then we start and then Nadia will join in. It's like, it's not a comp, it's not a comp. Turn the radio down. And then whoever's the one that's like trying to like, they join in, easy joins in. It's not a comp, it's not a comp, right? and bring this reality. Hey, we're one family. Yeah. All right, we're one family. Yeah. Some days it's gonna favour you. Some days it's gonna favour you. Some days it's not gonna seem fair to you. Some days it won't be fair to you. But hey, there's a love here that says you're mine. We're one family. You're of absolute value. You're a priority. But together, if you were missing or if it was all about the other, then come on, we would be lacking. But it's not a competition. Yeah. Come on, what does Tim Cruz say and Jerry Maguire to Dorothy? You complete me. <laughs> I had to watch it about 50 times to get that moment right. But I think, that, I think the pause was actually a lot longer. The pain of it is a lot more. Uh, but come on, if we had that mindset where we look at somebody else and go, you know what, you actually complete me. Come on, you know how what you bring? Man, that completes who we are. And this ability for us then, come on, what, what wouldn't God do? Where couldn't God take us if we were in a position where we realised we're not here to compete, we're here to complete. And we're here to bring the reality of God to others. God is so good. He's distributed gifts differently. But the gifts that you've got are perfect for you. They're perfect for you. The mercy you carry is perfect for you. I don't understand how they could have come that because they've got more of a truth. But as long as it's wrapped in grace, come on, that's perfect for them. Some of you, it's just, it's just works. Some of you, it's, it's a gift of prophecy. That's awesome. Not one is greater. Just, if, if we just realised, come on, we complete each other when we activate and grab hold of what God has made possible. Maybe as a point of just showing this, I love that it's not just unity within a family. It's not just unity within a marriage. It's not just unity within a church, in a singular church, but it's unity in the church, the church. And I am grateful. One of the great highlights of, I think it was earlier this year, you know, it's not, it was a confronting moment, but it was a highlight for me is having a great conversation with someone. And I believe in the right people, with the right people talking through challenges that have happened and maybe people have come from a place where they were hurt in a church context and they need to process stuff. We're here. We'll walk and talk. But there will come a line where it says, hey, I'm not going to dive into all the detail of how and who said what and all that kind of stuff. Let's just process it. But let's also move forward. Let's be in that place where we can say, OK, well, that maybe isn't the home for us. Let's grow from here and had a great conversation. And then the, they chose to take that conversation to another person in the foyer, at which point that person just said, hey, I'm not sure, but at, 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 sorry, but I, I get it but I'm not the one to talk to. We don't really talk and down talk other churches here. We're not, that's not the house that we are. We believe in the bride, right? We're here to build the bride up. And I understand, I'm not saying what was done was right, but I'm just saying, we don't need to have that conversation. Have you talked to Pastor Craig yet? 
Then in a course later in the week, they tried to bring it up and someone said, that person said, hey, I, I understand it's real for you and it's raw, I get that. But hey, just in this context, it's not what we talk about. We're not here to pull down and name say and tell others they did wrong. No, we're here to build up. And I believe that in a healthy place, God's gonna lead you through it. We're gonna grow. And I tell you what, as a pastor, it was like the most beaming moment in my heart because that's who we are. We're here to build together. We're here to stand together. We're here to say, come on. Yeah, I get it. We all make mistakes, but we are here to have each other's back. And it's not to excuse that which doesn't, shouldn't be excused, but it is to say, it is to say, come on, we are here as the body of Christ. And I love that over this week, we have had the honour and the opportunity uh, to be part of many, many churches gathering together as the church to create a room and an environment for young people to get together, to be able to go after Jesus, bring their friends into that environment. But in that, one of our legends of our church, Kane uh, and Vanessa are our youth pastors, but Kane is actually another part of his role is in Youth Alive as the schools coordinator and director. And he's actually been in schools, rallying schools to make this possible. And all week they've been going into schools, out of schools, into schools, out of schools. So I thought it might be cool just to land the plane today on hearing a highlight of what unity can do. What, when, when the kingdom gets united, Let's just really see what the main thing is the main thing and what God could do in the middle of it. So you want to hear what God's been doing? All right, let's check this out. Life Church, my name is Dave Edgar and I lead Youth Alive here in Victoria. Wanted to take a moment to let you know about something pretty awesome that God just did that really is a result of something that is connected to your church. You know, your youth pastor, Pastor Kane Paul, also leads the Youth Alive Schools Ministry here in Victoria. And this week just gone, we have done a schools tour of more than 40 schools in this one week and it was led by Pastor Kane Paul. You know, in fact, this year alone, there's been like 64 schools that he's been in with the team. And you know what? The team has had a great impact bringing a message of hope into the high schools of Victoria. And you know, all that he's been doing in the schools has now resulted in a massive outreach night where we saw close to a thousand young people give their life to Christ last night at Festival Hall. And you know, I thought it'd be pretty cool to let you know about that because your church has really helped make this possible through the amazing youth ministry that you have. Church, I wanna thank you, I wanna honour you. How good is this? Last night, close to a thousand young people gave their life to Christ. It was a special moment. And I think that's something worth celebrating for our state. The kingdom is advancing, God's doing great stuff. And we wanna thank you and celebrate this with you. Amen. Thank you so much, Church. How good is that? Come on, isn't it amazing? Come on, when we do together, when we do life, when we stand as the body, when we go with each other, when we complement and grab hold of what's on each other's lives and we all play our part, God's kingdom advances. Come on, lives are changed for eternity. Over a thousand, close to a thousand young people giving their lives to just generation after generation because we decided we are not here to compete, we are here to complete. Come on, I think God deserves some, some praise in what He is doing, it's just amazing. The Bible says, I pray that you would be unified as we were unified so that they would know, that they would know. You know, I tell you what, I pray that uh, as much as we've been sharing content and, and thought and ideas and some practical ways, I really pray that if you're here or you're watching online and you haven't got a relationship with Jesus yet, or maybe you once were, but you just know you're disconnected from Him, I pray that you've been sensing the Holy Spirit over this time. See, the Holy Spirit is, the Bible calls Him a friend. Not some sort of weird spirit. No, He's the Holy Spirit. He's an advocate. He stands on our behalf and He actually desires and He creates a way for us to have an awareness in our heart 
of whether we are or we aren't in relationship with God. His first and foremost job in our lives is that we would all have come to a point of being able to respond and accept Jesus into our heart, that we could know Him as Lord and Saviour. And that's why we're here. We are here from all different cultures, backgrounds, generations and stages. Why? We are here to unite together to lift up the Name of Jesus because Jesus has saved us. He set us free. I don't know how you walked in. I know how I walked in. And there's lots that would say, well, you wouldn't be welcome in a church. No, no, the church was the most welcoming environment that I could ever have been in. They didn't compromise to welcome me. No, they loved me as I was because they knew what was on my life was that the fact that before the things I did and the the thoughts I had, I was a child of God. I just didn't know it yet. And then in that moment, the Holy Spirit started to move in my life and I realised what I'd been looking for in so many other things. Actually, I could see that others had it in Him. And in that moment, after a few weeks of going, Anadia is actually the one that took me to church because she was a friend that decided to say, you know what, it's all good knowing you as a great friend, but I care more about you knowing God than knowing me. She said, come on out, if you trust me, hear me in this. You need to get God in the centre of your life. And as she spoke that, I didn't feel a sense of condemnation. I felt a conviction in my heart. My gosh, yes, I need God in my life. You were not, I was not created to do life without God. You might be watching this at home and you might be listening in and quite inquiring about the whole area of religion or you know, Christianity and God. I wanna tell you, we are not here to promote a religion as such. We are here to declare there's a relationship you can have and that is with God. He loves you so much. It was made possible through Jesus coming, living a life that we couldn't, paying a price that we should have, but then rising again, conquering sin so that in our heart's response to God, our, literally, our sin can be wiped away and we get a brand new beginning. But more importantly, we now live and walk with God. I would love to pray a prayer across this room and for every person joining us at home, that if you don't know Jesus, or maybe you once did, but you're disconnected, come on, would you join the same response that hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of others did last night? And would you respond to opening your heart to Jesus, getting right with Him? If you've been walking the opposite direction, come on, it's time to drop that, to turn and to run with God. He's got life for you. He's got hope for you. The peace you're looking for is Him. So we're gonna pray together. I wanna ask every person to close their eyes. Every person at home, this is a moment for you to respond out of your heart as well. But if you're here and you know, you say, Craig, I need to get right with God. I need this relationship. I wanna know God for myself. On the count of three, I'm gonna ask you to do something Significant, but it's simple. While no one's looking around, I'm actually gonna ask you to lift your hand and say, Craig, would you include me in that prayer? I wanna make a decision to open my heart to God. Then I'm gonna see that, I'm gonna congratulate you, and then we're gonna pray together. And the same for you at home. You can simply raise your hand in your lounge room or wherever you are. Say, Craig, include me in that prayer. God sees you, most importantly, He sees you, and we're gonna pray with you. All over this place, if that's you, and you know the Holy Spirit's knocking on your heart to respond, just follow Him. Follow His lead. He's good. One, He loves you so much. Two, it's by no chance that we're here today. Three, if that's you, would you just lift your hand and say, yeah, that's me. Craig, would you include me in that prayer? Include me in a way to invite God into my heart. Thanks, mate. That's awesome. So good. I'm not gonna prolong it too long because I know if, if it's there, you, you respond. You just go, yeah, I know that's me. It's my time. It's time to come home. Awesome. All right, we're all gonna pray this together. I wanna encourage every single person, pray it with all your heart. Say, so, dear Jesus, Today I open my heart to You and I invite You to be my Lord and Saviour. I thank You that You love me. I thank You that You're for me. And today I'm making a decision to give You my heart, to give You my life and to follow You. I believe in Jesus and I thank You 
that with Your help, I will live a transformed life, made whole, complete, brand new. In Jesus' Name, Amen. Come on, everyone. Can we honour and celebrate the decision people have made in the room and at home? Amen. So great. If you made that decision, we'd love you to take a moment, fill in the Live Connector card, indicate the decision that you've made today, or you can go to the link for those that are online. And then we will send you one of these Bibles or get one of these Bibles to you at the information desk. Because this is, like Craig said, this is God's truth, God's Word to us. So make sure you do that, which would be awesome. But as we were talking today, I was thinking about spiritual gifts. Our next steps, week two today, is all around our spiritual gifts. So if you're hearing this today, you're like, you know what, I don't even know what my giftings are. Why don't you go to next steps, find it out, delve into that a little bit more. But why don't we stand to our feet? I'm going to pray for us as we leave. God, I just thank You that You have called us to unity with each other. And God, I just pray that if today has brought up anything, God, well, we know we just need to build relationship. God, I pray that You'd give us the wisdom to do it. God, that like Pastor Craig said, would lean into Your world, would get the wisdom that we need. Mm. God, I pray for the courage to walk it out. And God, I pray that we'd commit to unity like never before, honouring You and honouring each other. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 We trust that you are encouraged by this powerful message. You always have a place to call home here at Life. And we invite you to join us for our Sunday services at our Melbourne campus. If you're not in Melbourne, then join us for Church Online, wherever you are in the world. Just head to lifeau.org to stay connected and find out more.